The three and one Utah Utes are set to take on the three and one Oregon State Beavers at Rice Eccles Stadium this Saturday. But what are the biggest storylines in this matchup? And what does Utah need to do to get a win? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone. My name is JT Wistersill, former student intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. We greatly appreciate it here. Make sure you guys head over, like, and subscribe on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. On today's show, going to be going over the biggest storylines going into this matchup. And in order to help me do that, friend of the show, Spencer McLaughlin, host of the Lockdown Pac 12 podcast. And Spencer, this is a fun one. I mean, looking at a Beavers team that almost upset USC recently and now coming into this game. I mean, it's a game last year where they did, of course, upset the Utah Utes. So I think the biggest thing I'm excited to see is can this Utah passing game keep the momentum going? They've been steadily improving each game. Devon Vele has had his best two games of the season most recently. And you look at Brant Keithy being out, so you have him to replace as well as a really talented Oregon State secondary. So I think it's going to be fun to see what Cam Rising and this group can do against the best secondary and in general, just the best team they've played since they took on the Florida Gators. But really that secondary, I think is a really good challenge for this group. Yeah. I got to amend your statement a little bit there, JT, not almost upset. USC should have upset USC. That that is a game that Oregon state should have won, not could have not had the chance to, and you know, let it get away, which they, they certainly did. They should have won that game. The difference here though, is this game's being played in Salt Lake City. And, and I'm with you 100%. The Oregon State secondary is probably the best in the Pac-12. I think you'd have to put USC's up there just because they've been forcing so many turnovers led by Makai Blackman. And that, that's been really the focal point of their defense is that they've allowed a decent amount of yards, but they're forcing turnovers. They picked off Chance Nolan four times. They picked off Tanner McKee twice. They forced turnovers against Fresno State and uh, against Rice in their season opener. They lead the country in turnovers. And so Oregon State now comes in with a mindset of we got to protect the football better because when you go on the road at Utah, you can't make those sorts of mistakes and hang around in the game. Oregon State played well enough to win, but they were at home. If you play like that and you're that sloppy and careless with the football and you go on the road, one turnover is going to feel like one and a half or two. It, it, it always, problems compound themselves when you are on the road. And so I don't think Oregon State has room for error in that front. But this Beaver secondary, make no mistake, they're nasty. They've got a new defensive coordinator who was on staff last year. They promoted from within, which isn't typically what you would do when you uh, when you fire a defensive coordinator. But they got rid of Tim Tibisar, a change that needed to be made. And they promote Trent Bray, their linebackers coach, a season ago from within. The results so far have been really good. They're the only team to hold USC under 40 points this year and they held them under 20 yes I, I i don't care if you know caleb williams on an individual level defense aside wasn't having his best game you got to give the oregon state defense a lot of credit but again they did that at home and coming into the season i thought that was ripe for an upset i thought it going into last week and i i went on locked on pac 12 and i picked the upset should have happened I'm kind of bummed it didn't because I was like, man. You talked about this podcast too, actually. I I did. Yeah. And it just, it was right there. They had a chance, but Chance Nolan threw four interceptions. So 
he's a guy who I think is going to be motivated to, to come out and perform better because he's capable of doing that coming into it. But I expect Utah to have a pretty ground centric approach offensively because the strength of this Oregon State defense is that secondary and they can make plays in the run as well. But you don't want to throw the ball up in the air with Rajon Wright and Jaden Grant out there looming. And the other two guys they've got are good players, too. Across the board, there's really no weakness there. So I think that that is an area where Cam Rising's got to be careful when he does let it go. But I expect the Utes to try and run the football here because I think the Beavers' offensive line is improved, but still behind where Utah's offensive line is. Yeah, and I think if you are Utah as well, you're disappointed in some ways with how you ran the ball against Arizona State because you look at it, and yes, you rushed for over 200 yards, but there were some plays where there were critical third and ones, fourth and ones, and you didn't pick it up, and you took you four down sometimes just to get 10 yards. That's not something that's supposed to be the case for this Utah offense. There was a lot of weird stuff with Tavion Thomas going on last week as well, so just kind of the running game, at least for me, I know, left a bad taste in my mouth, so I'm excited to see them try to get back and add it as well, but it is an interesting thing you talk about. Just look, when we're we have a lot of time to break down USC versus Utah over the next couple weeks, which is going to be a fun one as we are about two weeks away, a little over two weeks away from it. But you get those USC receivers. I mean, Jordan Addison, a lot of those other guys are, that's a more potent receiver room than Utah has. And those guys did struggle, as you mentioned as well. And it is going to be interesting to see if the Utes can kind of create that separation. Yeah. And it's not going to be an easy thing. The Utes are, are certainly capable. Right. It's not as if they don't have talent out there, but football sometimes is really complicated. You have 22 moving pieces on any given play. Other times, football is really simple and it just comes down to who wins in a 1v1 matchup. If Devon Vale is one on one with Rajon Wright, can he win the 1v1? I, I could not come on here and say definitively, Vale is going to win more one on one route situations. Than, uh, than right. But I couldn't come on here honestly and say it the other way, right? There, there are things that you just can't know. You can't always predict and, and be able to, to have a full understanding of exactly what's going to happen. There are those 50-50 situations. The ball bounces this way. The ball bounces that way. Turnovers, specifically fumbles, statistically in football are very random. Like There are a lot of things that, that go into the outcome of, of a football game. And I think for Utah, offensively, the key to them moving the ball is, will Cam Rising be able to protect it? Historically, that's that's been the case since he became the huge starting quarterback. And will they be able to win in one-on-one situations? Because this Oregon State defense, from what I've seen, they, they will play zone, and they have a, a pretty good balance there. But they, they like playing man-to-man. From, from what I have seen from them, and I've, I've watched Oregon State a good amount this year, they're not afraid to go one-on-one. And if you can create those situations when you know maybe they're bringing an extra guy down in the box to defend the run or they're they're going cover zero because they're going to bring some pressure is utah going to be able to capitalize on those moments i think it'll be the biggest question for the utes offense is how do you separate against the best or second best secondary in the pac-12 yeah it's gonna be interesting to see who steps up wide receivers been steadily improving each game it feels like you obviously lose brant keithy so thomas yasmin the guy with the big 77 yard catch and run in that game is he going to be able to take advantage of more opportunities is it going to be a guy like money parks who steps up there's a lot of guys who are going to have an opportunity to stand out as you mentioned as well the running backs obviously should have a strong day it's going to be interesting to see what the carry load kind of looks like because now there's four guys kind of in that mix which are quinton jackson getting some opportunities in the most recent game as well so a fun opportunity 
for Utah on offense, the best team they have played by far, as I mentioned, since the Florida Gators. And there's even in some ways this team will test them in better ways than Florida will. And we're going to talk about what those are in just a second. But first, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all of the, the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and dipped up articles and analysis every single game. As well as with BetOnline, guys, you can bet on sports outside of football, MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. And of course, if you do just want to bet on football, BetOnline absolutely has you covered. Tons of great games coming up this weekend at both the college and NFL level. So make sure you guys head over to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline where the game starts and staying with bet online here. Spencer is Utah is favored in this one by 10 and a half. What do you think of that line? Uh, I think it's about right. And mm-hmm. the only reason that I, I say that is not because I don't think Oregon state is a good team. I, I do. I just watch Utah play at home and I say, that's a really tough environment to go to. And Utah is still in my view, the best team in the pac 12 uh, until another team proves. Otherwise, I think USC is right behind them, certainly. And then Oregon and Washington are, are in the mix. And we'll see how UCLA performs uh, against the Huskies this week. That's a big, big, big game mm-hmm. in, in the Pac-12. One of just two games this week that are single-digit point spreads. It's UCLA hosting Washington, where the Huskies are three-point road favorites. And then you've got Cal going at Washington State, where the Cougars are four-point home favorites. Everything else, a double-digit point spread this week. I think the home teams that, that are favored – and of the uh, of the four big lines, they're all at home. I, I think you're going to see those teams win pretty comfortably. And I feel that way about the Utes uh, as well. I think they're going to cover that 10 and a half. It, it's not indictment of Oregon State. I don't think anyone's going to be able to win in Salt Lake City this year. And correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think anybody won in Salt Lake City last year. I don't think anyone's won in Salt Lake since... I want to say 2018. Actually, I've been I went to I came to Utah in 2019, and I haven't seen them lose a home game with fans in the stands. Right. I, well. I think they lost one to COVID. Yeah, that, COVID. that yeah that that whole season's that whole season's a wash. So I I think Utah is going to play well, and I think Oregon State, though motivated in one sense, it's hard to come off of an emotional letdown like that because you have to go on the road to a hostile environment the week after. You were you were that close to the biggest win in Jonathan Smith's tenure in year five. Uh, I mean, for the Beavs, they're still building something that that's really good, and they could be an eight or nine win team here in in 2022 because they knocked off both Mountain West opponents thanks to the uh, Jack of all trades, Jack Coletto. And I, I think that they're still a good team, but this is still a really really tough matchup. And when you're that when you were that close, I mean, they led for what 98 percent of the game they were an offensive line push away from winning the game if those offensive linemen don't push caleb williams they more than likely don't want to lose that game (laughs) yep that's exactly right and that's that sort of bounce a ball situation i was talking about earlier when when looking at a football matchup between two otherwise uh tightly contested teams and you had that last week it was in corvallis that was the opportunity I, i think oregon state will will play fine but i think utah gets a late cover this week against Oregon State. Yeah, I feel the same way as well. So make sure you guys head over to Bet Online and cash in on that, as well as other games if you guys are looking to get in on some of the action across the college football or NFL slate. And one of the other things that makes this game interesting is just Oregon State is a really good team, but 
last year they were really bad on the road. One and five, so they already matched the one win from last season. But as you mentioned, it was against Fresno State as well. And that's a good Fresno State team. It is, but it's a lot different when you're going on to take on one of the most hostile environments in the Pac-12. I think as, as well, I think believe it's homecoming this weekend for Utah, so it's going to be a packed stadium, as it almost always is based on the sellouts as well. So it's going to be a hostile environment, and this is a team, as you mentioned, that comes off the letdown of just losing that game so closely as well. So it is going to be interesting to see, can they come together and just do things they weren't able to do last year and win a road games in this conference? Which is a tough thing to do. And mm-hmm. Utah's home field advantage is perhaps the best example of that. Oregon's is very good. When Washington is rolling, they, they win a lot of their games up there at, at Husky Stadium. Those are probably your three most daunting environments in, in the conference. USC, when they're good as well, excuse me, I, I think they... Are, are all unique in, you know, the sort of crowd that that they present in, in a way. But the underlying, I, I think USC's is just a little bit below where where Utah, Washington, and and Oregon's are. But you can have some other good crowds. But you you can't underestimate, and the betting lines always reflect this, right? That it's called home field advantage for a reason. And when you've got fifty thousand plus screaming every time something good happens in your favor, and making noise and making it tough on the other team. The reason that that home field advantage is so big is because, like I like I mentioned earlier, you compound mistakes, right? Every turnover, every mistake, every sloppy moment, every penalty feels bigger on the road because then you have to deal with with, with the noise. And I, I I just feel really good about Utah at home this week. Yeah, and I feel the same way as well. And one of the interesting things about this one is we talked about how Utes on the offense, what the biggest kind of matchup storyline we're looking is on that side. I think defensively, I'm excited to see this Utah front seven. It's a group that really struggled to stop the Florida Gators rushing attack has been really strong since then, especially handing an Arizona state rushing attack that that's one of the strengths of that team still. And Utah was still able to really keep them in check, held them to a program low six rushing yards in the game. They're actually at negative rushing yards for most of that game as well. So really impressive Jeez. by the Utes in that one, but you, this is a really good test. This is an organization state team that has three running backs over 100 yards on the season as well it's an offensive line that returns all five of its starters i do expect utah to pack the box i think cole bishop is doing been doing a phenomenal job i mean for my money the best safety in the pack 12 right now and i think when utah does that they pack the box i think they are going to be able to stop osu's rushing attack and that's where it gets interesting because we did see chance nolan kind of turn the ball over in some of those second and long third and long situations and i I really feel like if utah can stop the run that's what will help them win this game by more than 10 points so chance nolan's interceptions last week had two different looks to them one of them was a 50 50 shot and makai blackman made a hell of a football play mm-hmm. i mean his own guy i forget which receiver he was throwing to but he could have made the play but blackman made it that that was one of the turnovers the other ones and this is how you can get to chance nolan he is not a comfortable guy in the pocket when there's any sort of pressure you know he he tends to get a little bit of that that jitterbug look to him gets a little happy feet and he forces throws just trying to get the ball out and avoid a sack at all costs. So for Utah, the key to turning him over is making him uncomfortable. And I think that does start with stopping the run, which is a tough thing to do. This is a very good Oregon State offensive line when it comes to run blocking. They were a little suspect in pass protection a week ago, which is why Nolan made some poor throws. But overall, it's a unit that is probably going to be motivated to show they're better than what they they put on uh, a week ago in Corvallis. 
but that's going to be a pretty critical matchup because if Oregon State can come out and do what Florida did, then they will. This is an offense that wants to be very balanced, that uses the run to set up the play-action pass. That's fundamentally what they are. They're a run, play-action shot sort of offense. And if you take away that rushing attack, you can limit what they want to do offensively and limit some of their best concepts if the rush is you know, not a real threat for them. But conversely, if you're not able to stop the run, they are perfectly comfortable having Chance Nolan throw 18 to 20 times in the entire game if that's all that's required of him. You're not going to see them force 35 throws like, no, we got to be putting the ball in the air more often. Jonathan Smith, the head coach, and Brian Lindgren, the offensive coordinator, if they can run the ball at a four to five yard per carry clip throughout the course of the game, you'll see them put it on the ground at a almost two to one ratio of how often they go to the air. Chance Nolan's progress as a quarterback is a reason that, that the Beavs are three and one and we're very nearly uh, a four and oh after after last week's game. But he still has some room to grow, as we saw against USC. But they are not they are not a run or they're not a pass dominated offense. They want to run the ball first. And if the Utes cannot stop the run, then they'll get a heavy dose of it all game long. Yeah, and that's what will be interesting to see is if Utah's able to stop it with just their normal six guys in the box, if they need to bring seven, maybe even eight in there, really try to pack it. And I'm excited to see how it's going to play out as well because, like you mentioned, it's an opportunity for if the Utes are able to do it, get some turnovers in Rice Eccles Stadium, really get that place rocking as well. And just once again, if Utah wants to be a top-10 team and belong amongst the elite, they have to prove they can stop some of the best rushing attacks in the country. And that's what they're going to have an opportunity to do on Saturday. So it's going to be a fun one. One thing that was really fun about this previous weekend, Spencer, is we were able to get Pac-12 play officially underway. And I want to know, what was your biggest takeaway from the first week of conference action? Oof. Um, Colorado is as bad as I thought they might be. That, that team is now down to Owen McCown, at quarterback. A- Arizona's in a nice spot as a program in terms of where they're at in their rebuild. They're 17 and a half point favorites against Colorado in Tucson this week. It's like 17, 17 and a half. That, that is such a bad place to be. So Carl Durrell is the next coach that's on the hot seat. Arizona State's imploding. But I think the biggest thing, JT, is that the Pac-12 is deeper than everybody thought. Because the reputation coming in justifiably Pac-12 hasn't won a bowl game since Oregon's Rose Bowl victory in 2020, right? We've gone through an entire pandemic, gotten out of it now, and the Pac-12 hasn't won a bowl game in that entire stretch. And that hurts the conference's reputation. And you look at the preseason polls, and USC was in there, Oregon was in there, Utah was in there. But now Washington has firmly placed themselves in that Uh discussion. They're, I think, number 15 in the country, and they deserve it. They, they have looked that way through four games. Week in and week out, they are beating their other teams handily. Washington State should probably be a top 25 team. You lose narrowly to an Oregon team that's ranked in the top 15 and, and throttled BYU. And you went on the road and beat a then-ranked Wisconsin team that you know is a solid program year in and year out. And yet the Cougs not getting that sort of respect. Oregon State has a case to be in the top 25, even with that close loss to USC. And it's tougher now because both have one loss. But teams have moved up in the rankings, Texas, when you play a really good team and you show that you can play them on equal Uh footing. Good point. 
and, and, and these two Pac-12 schools, Oregon State, Washington State, not coincidentally, I think the ones getting left out of conference realignment discussion are not getting that same sort of respect. I mean, Oregon State beats two quality Mountain West opponents. They look the way they should against an FCS school, a good FCS school in Montana State that was just in the FCS National Championship game. And then you are literally one or two plays away from beating a top 10 USC team. I, I don't know how that's not a top 25 resume. What the voters are probably seeing as well, they're probably going to lose to Utah this week, which I think they will. And you're not going to put a three and two Pac-12 team who's got two victories over a Mountain West team in there. But Washington State, if they come back and beat Cal this week, I don't know why that's not a top 25 resume. But the fact that we're here, and I haven't even mentioned UCLA yet, who got off to a sluggish start going 3-0, and but not looking very impressive, looked much better last week on the road against Colorado and played the way they should. We'll see how they match up with the Huskies on Friday night on ESPN. That's a big, big game for both programs, respectively. But look at the list of teams mm. that I just laid out. And Arizona is no longer a rollover win. And Cal was able to knock off Arizona. You know their defense will be solid. It's just a matter of whether their offense can produce. And a week ago, they did with Jay Notto at 274 yards. So I think what you're seeing compared to last year is the teams that are close to the bottom of the conference have, have come up a level, right? Cal last year was off to a terrible start. They're off to a much better start this year. Arizona was an abysmal program for the last few years. Anybody want to play them and feel like you're confidently going to blow them out? Because I don't. I watched Jaden Delores slinging around the field to, to T-Mac and, and Jacob Cowling. Like, they have some players now. They're not a great team yet, but they have more players than they did. So I think as, aside from Colorado, the depth in the conference is increasing, and it's been a really fun thing to watch so far. And we'll see how much those teams cannibalize one another. But other than Utah's loss to Florida, I don't know how much better the non-conference slate could have gone along with Oregon maybe being more competitive against Georgia, but who who is who is competitive I, I think, against Georgia? I think <laughs> like, in that, yeah, and that one people 100% took it as more bad Oregon than good Georgia, and it's clearly been the case. It's really just more how good Georgia is this season. They are clearly yeah. the best team yeah, in the country right now. Yeah, and that's not that's not even debatable through mm-hmm. through the first four weeks, and it looks like that's that's poised to continue. They've got weapons, they've got the defense, they've got everything that you need to to win back-to-back national championships. And so, you know, those two games, they were not great looks in week one. I, I went on Locked On Pac-12 and I said, look, after the first week, Pac-12 football brand took a hit. But it's done nothing but go up since then. Washington State punches Michigan State in the mouth and runs them off the field, basically. Oregon dismantles BYU, which Washington State goes on the road and beats Wisconsin. It's a huge You're beating a... I mean, that's a, that's a win against a good future Big 12 and current independent school in BYU that gets a lot of respect. I'm sorry, Utes fans. They're a good program. Well, they I, are. Yeah. Well, I, I know. I've just I've, I've right. come well, to realize there's... people want to just, like, dump on them all the time. But yes, like, yes. I, they're being reasonable. You can't ignore what Kalani Sataki has built over there. No, he's been a head coaching rumor for a number of vacancies, including Oregon's this offseason, by the way, and, and for good reason. The guy's a good football coach. You beat Wisconsin, which is a perennial top 25 team in the Big 10 on the road. And who's and then uh, Washington at home doesn't beat Michigan State. They run them off the field. Mm-hmm. They, they, they were absolutely dynamic and explosive, and they were the better team from the jump there in, in Seattle. So there have been some really notable wins and, and some other games that are just not that bad of losses. Uh, you know, Arizona State is, you know, fall, has fallen off a cliff now, but they weren't all bad uh, against Oklahoma State. 
I think the depth of the Pac-12 is stronger, even than I thought it would be coming into this season. I thought Oregon State, Washington State would be better than last year. I thought they would be improved. And I, I think they're just a touch better even than I expected them to be. And Oregon State got that win at Fresno State. And, you know, if that's a game that the Beavers lose, then people look and go, oh, look, another Mountain West team beating a Pac-12 school. Well, last year in a bowl game, Oregon State lost to Utah State. They lost to a Mountain West school. This week, they went 2-0 and against two teams that are perennial contenders in the Mountain West in Boise State and Fresno. So I, I think the depth has has really, really elevated for, for the Pac-12 this season so far. I 100% agree. I also love that you started with Colorado at first because I was like, there's so many positives with this conference. And you're just be like, yeah, Colorado. I did. I had to get I had to get that out of the way. I feel for the buffs, man. It's just it's tough times. And I, I thought they'd struggle coming into the year. Mm-hmm. You know, my preseason win total prediction for them was one and 11. And but you just thought they'd that, be more competitive. Yeah, I, I thought it'd be a more competitive one eleven. Right. I said, look, I, I don't think you get rid of Darrell if that plays itself out because I figured they'd be a little bit better, but they, they, I, I don't see anything they have to feel good about, right? What are you optimistic about if you're a Colorado fan? Is it that you've seen three different quarterbacks start and none of them appear capable to lead the offense as presently constructed to a successful scoring output on a weekly basis? Or is it that the defense has shown no ability to stop anyone at any point in time? Do you know what Zach Charbonnet's stat line was last week, JT? I do not. Nine carries. Okay, he had nine carries. He ran for 104 yards and three touchdowns. He's over 10 yards a carry and a touchdown every third time he gets the ball on the ground last week. He's a really good running back. He and Tavion Thomas, probably the two best in the Pac-12. He should never run in a conference game for 104 yards on nine carries. That should take him 15 to 20. Uh-huh. If your defense is respectable, because UCLA knows how to run the football and he is a tough guy to bring down. He is an NFL caliber bat. He is really, really good. But nine for 103 and three touchdowns. Defense hasn't been there. They tried a fake punt that didn't work. The offense can't move the ball. There's nothing going right in Colorado right now. I think the biggest thing might be some of the people like, oh, look at Matt Rule's kind of struggling in the NFL. So maybe we can throw a bunch of money at him if he gets fired or something like that. Maybe that's I think Arizona State would have a better chance at Matt Rule than Colorado because Rule would demand a lot of money. And Uh I actually don't think Arizona State's financial situation is as lucrative as as I or others may even think. That's kind of been the the word along the grapevine and such. But it's certainly better than Colorado's who didn't want to pay Mel Tucker, who uh, granted is having a pretty bad start to the year. And when his teams lose, they get blown out bad. But he also won 11 games at Michigan State last year. So I think yeah. he's he's at least a solid, respectable coach. And it is just not uh, it is not going well for Carl Durrell and company. Yeah, well, and you even mentioned Mel Tucker. I mean, I just really quick, like just if you're going to do, I, and I'm a Mel Tucker fan, but like some of the things, if you're going to do that in the offseason, I do think it's a bad luck when you go on the road and some of those things like that. You just get blown out in a couple of Oh, they got games. waxed by Minnesota at home. I know. I know they're in East Lansing and they were not competitive. It's, it's a good golfers team, but you got to be competitive. That's the yeah. thing. Like it's okay to lose these games, but like just be competitive, especially if you're yeah. supposed to be back and like where those other teams are. And, and that, and that's where I'm at with Colorado is that I don't think anyone expected them to be good. Pac-12 media picked them to be last this year. And you know, I, I did as well, but there's different levels of one and 11 Arizona last year is not the worst one and 11 team I've ever seen. Colorado is going to struggle to find a win this year. 
I hope they find one because no fan base deserves to go zero and twelve. It's just it's it's just a painful thing to see, and it's it just cannot be any any fun to go through that and and not have a single win all year, and then that starts to become the narrative, and that's of course what what it is right now. And I don't know what their losing streak is at dating back to last year, but it's got to be approaching ten or so, and I, I think they'll get beyond that because they're at Arizona this week. I don't think they win that game, but you, you got to just be competitive, at least in some of the games. And through four, they've played four good teams. They've been noticeably worse than both, uh, than, than any of those teams. Eight, week, week in and week out, they're worse. And so if you can find a few games where you can at least compete, that'd be nice. But I don't know where that is on the schedule. Probably Arizona State. Arizona State and... I don't know. I think I, th- I think that's it because I watched Cal beat Arizona and I'm like, well, that's a little better than I thought they were capable of being. Yeah, and you're right too about the 0-11 thing. I wouldn't wish that on pretty much. Okay, maybe there's one team that you guys can probably figure it out. It'd be okay if they went 0-11, but outside of that, wouldn't wish it on anyone. But a huge thanks to Spencer McLaughlin for joining us. If you guys are in the market for a second listen every day, make sure you guys do check out the Lock on Pac-12 podcast where Spencer McLaughlin himself and other experts will be breaking down what's going to be a fun week of games this week as well how about the golf tan line right there look at that yeah that's that's (laughs) sorry been in the gym there you go (laughs) no no i'm not in the gym i go to the driving range i don't touch weights i go to the range but i tell you what you see my sock tan thing is nasty (laughs) to hear more about spencer and his sock tan check out locked on pack 12 (laughs) appreciate all you guys for joining us make sure you guys keep it here as we got another fun game preview coming out tomorrow that's it for today's episode of locked on news but we'll see you tomorrow